plan in action. I'm totally relieved to be getting my vaccination. BC picks up the pace on the first day of mass vaccinations with new hope for religious services. The patio problem. Yes, outdoor patios, but the maximum is six. How some customers are confused about the relaxed rules, putting employees at risk. And a BC grandma backs the Briar champion. Oh, he got them and he's going to wear them. The secret weapon she sent him so he could sock it to the competition. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. Sophie is off. Well, finally, one year and four days into the COVID-19 pandemic, the day British Columbians have been waiting for the start of age-based inoculation. Clinics are operating throughout the province for what is the largest mass vaccination in BC history. Grace Key reports on day one. <laughs> I'm laughing. Oh, great. That's what we love to hear. You've never seen so many smiling faces. <laughs> Everyone excited to be getting a shot in the arm. <laughs> At the Surrey drive through Immunization Centre, laughter and a good sense of humour was plentiful. How was it? It was bad. <laughs> the province began its mass vaccination rollout Monday morning, starting with seniors 90 and over and Indigenous people 65 and older. This is your golden ticket in this crazy pandemic world, so make sure you keep that handy. Behind the scenes, workers were busy preparing vaccines, and once someone got their shot, they were instructed to wait in their car for 15 minutes before leaving. Um, if by chance you're um, having a reaction or not feeling well, just turn your hazard lights on and honk your horn and someone will come and assist you guys, okay? We're gradually increasing our capacity as we get more proficient, so today we'll be seeing around 300 people. At Vancouver's Creekside Community Centre, seniors lined up for their turn to roll up their sleeves. Watch anticipation. Super excited to get them. Yeah. I'll feel a lot better once he has a shot. <laughs> right. After a year-long pandemic, families are finally seeing a normal life within reach. Grace Key. Have a good day. Global News. The province also providing additional details Monday about how the AstraZeneca vaccine will be used. Germany, France, Italy and Thailand are joining a growing list of countries suspending the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine following unexpected and possible side effects. A batch of the vaccine in Europe is suspected to have caused blood clots. But Dr. Bonnie Henry says that is not a concern here in Canada where there have been no side effects like this. The province is rolling out the first 68,000 doses of AstraZeneca in high transmission areas, including food processing plants, agricultural workers in congregate living, and large industrial projects with on-site work camps. We have to remember as well that over 17 million doses of AstraZeneca have been given, and so far 37 cases of these uh, blood clots in different ways have been det detected. This is lower than we might see even in the general population without vaccination. The province is set to reveal details later this week on the next phase of AstraZeneca and which essential workers will receive the vaccine. It's been a confusing few days when it comes to vaccination appointments for police and RCMP officers from forces across Metro Vancouver. Our Sarah McDonald is live with more on this. Sarah, police called in believing they were eligible, but now those appointments are being canceled. What happened here? 
Yeah, exactly, Chris. And the confusion continues if that's all that really is in this case with, as you mentioned, police officers from forces right across Metro Vancouver now being asked to cancel vaccination bookings that were apparently made in error. Both the Vancouver Police Department and the RCMP confirming a number of officers successfully booked vaccination appointments in Vancouver Coastal Health and Fraser Health regions, mistakenly believing they were eligible to do so. As it stands, police officers are set to get their shots under phase three of the province's rollout plan. That's with the exception of correctional officers who can now book their appointments under phase two. Department heads are now appealing to their members directly to cancel those appointments. RCMP's E-Division telling Global News in a statement, quote, over the weekend, we spoke with the BC Ministry of Health to resolve the misinformation. Police officers will continue to be part of the previously announced rollout plan, end quote. Vancouver police also following suit here, saying their department has, quote, clarified with our members and advised that they are not currently eligible to book vaccination appointments. We have asked anyone who has booked an appointment to cancel it, end quote. But neither force uh, is clarifying what could happen if any of those officers opt not to cancel those appointments and go ahead with them when their time comes. And just as we are going to air here, we got a a statement uh, from the province on this saying the ministry is, quote, monitoring for any additional bookings from law enforcement who are not yet eligible, end quote. But again, Chris, not elaborating on what could happen going forward with those officers who've already booked. All right, we'll see if we can find out more. Thanks very much, Sarah. That's Sarah McDonald reporting for us. Meantime, the entire community of Prince Rupert is now on track to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Ahmad Agahi is there for us tonight. Ahmad, with a surge of COVID cases there, what's the latest on the vaccination effort? Well, Chris, the first COVID vaccination appointment started at 9 a.m. sharp at that civic center behind me that has been transformed to a vaccination clinic. It is well-staffed, it is well-organized, and so far running very smoothly. You got her? Yep. Okay, one, two, three. At 87 years old, Perry Boyle becomes the first eager participant of a community-wide immunization campaign. Nothing to it. The likes of which we have never seen. It's like anything else, even if you got a job somewhere. Get there and get at her. As the province begins its COVID-19 vaccine rollout, it is Prince Rupert that has stolen the headline. Health officials deciding to target the small northwestern community with an accelerated approach aiming to halt its surging COVID-19 infection rate. We've done our best as a community, with very few exceptions, to follow all of Dr. Bonnie Henry's recommendations. Um, But there's some really unique circumstances in Rupert. The city is remote. Its hospital only has a few acute care beds. And 40% of the population here is Indigenous, citizens that are disproportionately affected by the virus. Then there is the devastation at the community's long-term care home, Acropolis Manor, where dozens, including understaffed workers, tested positive and 14 residents died. If there was any other community that had our geography, shared our unique risk factors and circumstances, we would wish them well. We would not accuse them of jumping the queue or being rewarded for bad behavior. This is Wainwright, we're being vaccinated. For 86-year-old Martha Wainwright, there was no hesitation. Having to go out shopping, uh, maybe feel a little safer. And while no one knows exactly what will happen after health officials finish their work here, for the first time in more than a year in this Oceanside community, 
there's hope on the horizon. People are feeling like they're going to be able to plan for a post-pandemic spring versus a late summer or fall that we'd all been anticipating. What a relief that would be, Ahmad. So what are officials saying about the timeline of being wrapped up with everyone vaccinated there? Well, the goal is to have a dose of the vaccine in the arm of every adult in Prince Rupert by the end of the month. Now I'm hearing that date could be moved forward. And just to give you an idea of how fast things are going, those in their 50s are on the phone right now trying to get a vaccine appointment for next week. And those in their 40s are up next tomorrow. They'll be calling in. Sounds like they took that guy's advice to get there and get at her. Thanks very much, Ahmad. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, here is a look at our numbers today. They include three counting periods starting last Friday. We have 1,506 new cases, bringing BC's total to 88,373. Nearly 5,000 of those cases are active. Sadly, 10 more people have died in that time span, which means B.C. has now lost more than 1,400 lives. And more than 409,000 doses of vaccine have now been administered. Keith Baldry joins us now with another number from today's briefing, the variants, Keith, mm. and there is reason to be concerned here. Yes, the variants are starting to increase rapidly in number. The d number of cases have more than doubled in a week. So this is what can happen with the variants. They're more transmissible, more infectious, and they're the dominant virus now in places like Europe and threatening to be in places like Ontario. Here's the latest update. We've got three uh, variants in B.C. Again, 880 total cases so far. It's up 163 from Friday. The number of active cases, this is what's concerning, it has more than doubled at 195, up 96. Now, how it breaks down through individual variants. The dominant variant right now in terms of active cases is the UK variant or B117 and South African again it starts to inch up in number and the real concerning one is the Brazilian variant the P11 uh, because that's considered to even be the, possibly the most transmissible of all three and some of the health outcomes associated with the Brazilian variant are concerning. Dr. Henry talking about the variant problem today. We're now probably about 10% of our new cases are at least screen positive as a variant and then go on for, for whole genome sequencing. So we have seen an increase. So I get this question a lot, Chris. The numbers of the variants are included in the daily case numbers in terms of new cases and active cases. And of course, those numbers of, of variants are just simply going to climb and climb and climb. And hopefully we don't get to the situation Ontario finds itself in. That is true. All right, Keith, thanks very much. And also still lots of questions tonight about the decision to start vaccinating staff at a number of Metro Vancouver and Fraser Valley businesses. As Richard Zussman reports, over the past week, we've learned of at least three workplaces that have hosted vaccine clinics for their workers, a program that doesn't appear to fit under the current rollout guidelines. It's a public vaccination mystery. Why is Columbia Cabinets in Abbotsford, seemingly a non-essential workplace, getting vaccinated against COVID-19? Putting out those sparks reduces our community transmission and that protects us all. And it means that we all move up the line. Fraser Health has still not publicly stated there is an outbreak there or how many people were involved. It was similar to Vitrum Glass, the Langley company fully vaccinated last week. Only after questions from Global News did Fraser Health reveal more than 40 people there had COVID-19 as part of an outbreak. 
the businesses are closed down when they have an outbreak to make sure that we are able to effectively isolate people. But those working nearby says the business was never shut down, although sick workers were required to isolate. Global cameras also spotted Costco staff in Pork Coquitlam getting vaccinated over the weekend. Fraser Health doesn't even call that situation an outbreak, instead a cluster, and leading to questions about whether getting COVID-19 in the workplace may actually be beneficial to businesses hoping to get vaccinated. I would hope not. I don't think anybody wants to get sick with this virus. There are also still questions about whether the vaccine is even effective in an environment when people are already sick and frustration building among frontline workers like police hoping to get the shot as soon as possible. And there's a level of frustration for our members because, of course, they too are watching the news and they're seeing that, uh, you know, there's uh, different businesses and different sectors that have been prioritized for the vaccine. The province will now be shifting from using the Pfizer vaccine in outbreaks and clusters to using the AstraZeneca vaccine. And it will be focused at first at processing facilities, especially in areas where there's been a high rate of COVID-19 transmission. I'm hoping that they become more proactive and try and get ahead of the curve. I, I think it'll it'll. Uh, you know, it'll obviously protect the food supply. The province is focusing on businesses that even with safety plans can't fully prevent the spread. What we are looking at is the businesses that are operating, that are operating using COVID safety plans, where there is uh, an ongoing risk in the workplace to workers in those settings. And as the debate continues on what businesses are defined as essential, the province adding, everyone is essential. Richard Usman, Global News, Victoria. The province's strict rules prohibiting indoor religious gatherings could be loosened soon. Dr. Bonnie Henry says she'll soon issue details about how small outdoor religious gatherings can be held and that planning is underway to gradually allow for the return of indoor faith services too. The order halting in-person religious gatherings has been a flashpoint with some congregations defying the rules, accepting the fines and even taking the province to court. Let me make this very clear, and I've heard this from many faith leaders, that they understand that we're still in a very precarious situation, um, and some communities absolutely are not yet ready um, to have in-person services. And some communities, um, it can be done perfectly safely. The details of the plan are expected early next week, with some increase of in-person services expected in time for Easter and Passover. A major shift in Canadian telecommunications. Cable giant Rogers is paying a fortune for rival Shaw Communications. Why some say the deal might benefit the companies, but not so much the consumers in just over a minute. If you're trying to have a good time, just come no matter what. Pandemic? What pandemic? U.S. health experts deeply concerned about the crowds at spring break hotspots coming up on the news hour. And B.C.'s patio problem. Staff put in awkward positions by customers who aren't quite clear on the new rules. That's later as well. But right now, today's blockbuster announcement that Rogers wants to buy Shaw for $26 billion has the communications industry buzzing and experts weighing in on the impact to your cell phone and internet bills. The big question is, will the deal be good or bad news for consumers? Ted Chernecki reports. At Shaw, brighter days are here. 
Well, that's certainly true for shareholders who just got about a 70% increase in their stock price. Rogers is agreeing to pay just over $40 per share so it can take over control of Shaw. And as Rogers' ads say, it's all about a better wireless future. To make hope possible and a better Canada possible. After all of Ottawa's efforts to bring more competition to the Canadian cell phone market, today's announcement marks one of the biggest high-tech company mergers in Canadian history, worth about $26 billion as Rogers has agreed to buy all of Shaw's shares and take over its $6 billion debt. But what does it mean for customers? When you look at, at the end of the day, who's going to be impacted by this, it's Canadians who are already struggling with not enough choice of providers and really unaffordable cell phone and internet rates to begin with, and removing a big portion of the competition from the market isn't going to help with that. Rogers has agreed to not increase wireless prices for Shaw's Freedom Mobile customers for at least three years after the deal is closed. This is a long game. It's nice to know that your costs may not be going up for at least a couple of years or three years, uh, but we know that in the long term they will. And that absence of competition in many ways really guarantees the, the notion that costs will go up if this merger goes through. Rogers says it will spend $2.5 billion over the next five years in Western Canada to upgrade to 5G, the latest and fastest mobile technology. And it'll create a $1 billion fund to connect rural and Indigenous communities. $1 billion in rural Canada. Well, that sounds great, but rarely have they been for the past decade. You know, rural Canada, remote Canada, Indigenous communities have been struggling for years. And recognition. Bell and Rogers argue that the cell phone industry is facing massive international competition with the likes of Starlink. Elon Musk's SpaceX has been launching hundreds of tiny satellites to bring high-speed internet to almost anywhere in the world by the end of this year. It could take longer than that to seal this deal if it happens at all. Approval is required from multiple government agencies. Ted Chernecki, Global News. The federal government is spending more than $16 million to build an affordable housing complex in Surrey. The 44-unit modular apartment building will be built at 9145 King George Boulevard. It'll be owned and operated by Atira Women's Resource Society. The supportive housing complex is designed to serve women who've been homeless or are at risk of homelessness and those struggling with substance abuse or mental health concerns. I'm very positive that um, we're working with um, people to get them off the streets and into um, facilities that also give them the wraparound services that they badly need. Construction of the project is set to be complete by the end of this year, and the first residents are expected to start moving in next January. Coming up, healthcare workers double down on BC's newest hospital mega project. And I think we're also very proud to be able to do our part. How St. Paul's doctors and other specialists are emptying their own pockets to contribute to the cause. Also tonight, what happens to more than 100 dogs surrendered to the BCSPCA? Some good news here in Burnaby. Final clearing stages of a two-car crash eastbound on Highway 1 before Wellington. Two of the available four lanes are blocked. Traffic is backed up right to the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. Connect Hearing has strict safety protocols in place. Take your first steps towards better hearing. Book a free appointment with Canada's number one physician-referred hearing healthcare provider today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 1 in Burnaby. BC's police watchdog has been called in after a man was shot by police this morning in Victoria. 
The IIO says police were already at Royal Jubilee Hospital around 5 a.m. when officers heard that a man inside the ER was carrying a weapon. Victoria police say a conducted energy weapon was used on the suspect before he was shot by an officer. The suspect's injuries are described as non-life-threatening. The IIO looks into any officer-related incidents that result in harm or serious death. Now, the BCSPCA is asking for donations to help care for more than 100 dogs surrendered by owners of a Fort Nelson area property. Staff at the Fort St. John and Dawson Creek shelters have been working around the clock to care for the 119 mixed-breed puppies. Thousands of dollars is needed to cover the cost of grooming, dental work, and veterinary treatment. Officials say there's no evidence the owners were breeding dogs for sale, and so, therefore, animal cruelty charges are not being recommended. The dogs are not ready for adoption quite yet, but the SPCA is asking families to check the website for updates. Now, it's a measure of just how excited doctors and other healthcare professionals at Vancouver St. Paul's Hospital are about their new hospital. As Linda Aylesworth reports, they're donating millions of dollars of their own money toward the project. That St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver is in dire need of replacement has been evident for a long time. The infrastructure is crumbling and, and we really, really need something that um, uh, is safe and, and can look towards the future. Thankfully, construction got underway last week on the new hospital's 18-acre site. The majority of the funds coming from deep pockets, but not all. The commitment is a million. We're not raising. We're giving of our own income uh, uh, to this gift, and we're going to make that gift a reality. The we he's referring to are the 14 members of St. Paul's radiology department. One month after their stunning announcement, St. Paul's cardiac surgeons had one of their own. We have a small group. We actually only have 10 heart surgeons, and they donated $300,000 uh, to get the momentum going on the uh, donations for the new build. If momentum was what they were after, they succeeded. Because in January, St. Paul's 50 anesthesiologists got on board, and how? We've decided as a group, oh, there's about 50 members in the anesthesiology department to, to contribute uh, as a group in terms of uh, the, uh, a yearly contribution to make up that uh, $1.25 it all comes to a grand total of $2.55 million. But why would they do it? Why not leave it to the government and the generosity of billionaires? For me, it, it would be denying us a privilege and an opportunity to feel good about, about doing good in this world and really making the world a better place. We want to be a part of it and we want to be able to, to say that that as we're moving into the new hospital that uh, we are part of the solution. This hospital is part of our community and we feel that we are part of that community and when we want care, we, we come here ourselves and so we need to support that. With that in mind, they hope to get 80% of medical staff to donate to St. Paul's It's Happening campaign. We love you guys. New, uh, facility, but Thank also... you, healthcare. Thanks. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Community's feeling it. All right, straight ahead, COVID can't stop the party in the U.S. It's actually great to see the world functioning in some normalcy. Experts worry spring break in those hot spots is spreading more than joy in the middle of a pandemic. And later, growing success for a former Canadian basketball star now showing his green thumb.
traffic is in great shape over here this evening at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Keep in mind, though, lane closures for some overnight winter maintenance between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. You might want to head to the Massey Tunnel instead. Is buying a home still possible? A CIBC Mortgage Advisor will show you how to make your ambition real, plus get up to $3,000 cash back. Conditions apply. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Travel in and out of Canada has basically evaporated, but south of the border, it's a far different story. Spring breakers are flocking to warm beaches across the south, where many areas have no mandates in place. It goes against the recommendations of public health officials who worry any progress made so far could quickly become undone. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest. Desperate for more than the four walls of their homes, throngs of Americans have defied requests to avoid travel. If you're trying to have a good time, just come no matter what. The beaches of South Florida are reminiscent of a pre-pandemic America, where masks and distance were not a part of the daily routine. So we're talking about people packing into bars and restaurants and, you know, socializing with a lot of other people and letting their guard down. The state of Florida never implemented a mask mandate and indoor restrictions have been gone for months. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Texas, where cases are declining. It's actually great to see the world functioning in some normalcy. A lack of restrictions is increasing concern among public health officials. Cases climbed last spring. They climbed again in the summer. They will climb now if we stop taking precautions. Around the U.S., variants are still troubling. The strain detected in the U.K. is projected to become dominant in America by the end of May. It's approaching that threshold in Florida already. Disease experts say that poses a risk once sunseekers head home. We don't have the coverage that we need at this point to feel like we can protect people. It's a slow process. 38 million Americans are fully vaccinated, but it's just 10% of the country. We're getting closer and closer to control of this pandemic. And control can be easily lost. While Canadian airports sit mostly empty, American airports are bustling. Volumes are down 40% from last year, but still, 6 million people moved through a terminal in the last five days. This is all in the context of still 50,000 cases per day. It's a further sign that people are looking to break COVID fatigue. But even with a light at the end of the tunnel, the risk along the way still carries significant weight. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. A piece of potentially life-saving equipment was taken from an Okanagan general store over the weekend, sparking appeals for it to return swiftly. The owner in Lake Country's Oyama general store says he noticed the defibrillator was missing from its case on Sunday morning. The device is used to help bystanders respond to a cardiac event. It's not locked up in order for it to be accessible to everyone in case of an emergency. It was bought through community fundraising for $2,000, and its loss is a public safety concern. If you know anything about it, please bring it back. Very disappointed, you know. Uh, it's hard not to, to lose faith in mankind when something like this happens, you know. That unit's there to save lives, obviously. It's of no value to you and, and you know, there'll be no, no repercussions. Just drop it off and we'll get on with keeping Oyama a safer community. Also in Health Matters tonight, an Edmonton group is banking on ancient plants as a new type of medicine for mental health disorders. Magic mushrooms are illegal in Canada, but permission to use them has been granted for some patients and researchers. Global Sue Lingo reports. 
This is where we're going to have our growing pods. Dr. Peter Silverstone's team plans to turn this Leduc warehouse into Canada's largest grow facility for psilocybin, or magic mushrooms. Enough product for over uh, 50,000 patients every month. The new company, Silotech Health Solutions, is just waiting for Health Canada exemptions to produce and study psilocybin, part of a group of substances called psychedelics. The best kind of treatment is therapy. And it turns out that many therapies do better when they're assisted with psychedelics. This psychiatrist says decades of research shows psychedelics can help with hard-to-treat disorders, including PTSD. Psilocybin mushrooms can make a patient more open to talk therapy by opening doors in the brain. It shows you the right door and walks you in and allows the right connections to be made in the right part of the brain. And that is what leads to long-lasting benefits. They found people felt more empathetic. They felt more uh, able to share their feelings. Robert Rogers has written more than 50 books on medicinal plants and fungi. He compares treatment with psilocybin to rebooting a malfunctioning computer. If there's been a trauma, it minimizes the, uh, the reflexing that often occurs with post-traumatic. Both Silverstone and Rogers feel cannabis legalization has reduced the stigma of plants as medicine, paving the way for mushrooms. This Calgary clinic, Atma Journey Centres, is the first in Alberta to offer psychedelic therapy. Health Canada granted exemptions for terminally ill patients. Silotech hopes to start growing and clinical trials by early next year. I'm more excited about the opportunities of psychedelics than any other brain development I've been involved with in 25 years. I think it's just... Still ahead, a good luck charm from BC helps Alberta win the Briar. It was just thrilling to see them come through at the end there. The gift from a Victoria grandma that inspired Brendan Botcher to victory. But first, confusion over outside gatherings leads to a problem on local patios. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, here's some proof that when it comes to COVID-19 rules and restrictions, if you give an inch, some people will take a mile. Now that outdoor gatherings of up to 10 people are being allowed, bars and restaurants are reporting large groups of people are showing up and expecting to be served, even though the six-person limit is still in force. John Waugh reports. Perfect weather, a refreshing pint, and a spot on an outdoor patio. It's completely offside to be yelling at staff members because you disagree with public health protocols. It seems like the perfect combination, instead resulting in a plea from one Port Moody brewery, asking customers to cool it when it comes to confusion over COVID-19 protocols. Some patrons come in and try and tell us or our staff or our owners uh, that they're allowed to gather outside the patio. BC has eased COVID-19 restrictions over the March break, allowing up to 10 people to gather as a group outdoors. But that rule doesn't apply to visiting a patio, still limited to your household six. The same restrictions are in place in, in uh, bars and restaurants and pubs. And so yes, outdoor patios, but the maximum is six. The post from the Yellow Dog Brewery asking customers to review its tasting room policies, which includes a limit of six people per party, that tables and chairs should not be moved, 
and customers should not leave their seats to chat with another group. We are getting a little tired of having to babysit adults who should know better. While restrictions remain in place for bars, breweries and restaurants, some Metro Vancouver cities like Port Coquitlam have allowed legal public drinking in certain neighborhood parks. People were really responsible. They showed us that if they're if they're treated like adults, they're going to be responsible and uh, rise to the occasion. And, and that was our experience. The difference between public parks and patios hard for some business owners to swallow. I don't know why ultimately you're allowed to gather 10 people outside on a, in a park somewhere, but not allowed to have 10 people on a patio. But those are the rules right now. Still, the quickest way to pour that option down the drain is for customers to ignore the rules and treat staff poorly as they do their best to stay open. John Hua, Global News. Never okay to yell at staff, but I am going to yell at Cassia and say it feels like spring out there. She's going to yell at you. Right? It does. It does. I mean, it looks more like it. It was a little cool, but there were some cherry blossoms, right? Yeah, yeah. We Mother Nature has really been delivering for the kids out there for spring break. We had a gorgeous day today. We've got a next few days that are going to be quite nice for us as well. It's 7 degrees at this point. Winds are still uh, on the gusty side. 24K winds coming in from the west-northwest. And here we have it earlier today from Delta, thanks to Peter Skir. Look at those clear skies, huh? Uh, Today's daytime highs. This a look at that. Uh, Cranbrook was the hottest spot or the warmest spot in the entire country today at 14 degrees. There you have it. Much cooler and below seasonal in the central interior. Zero Williams Lake, one in Prince George. But not to worry. By St. Patrick's Day, I almost said Thanksgiving. What time of the year is it? By St. Patrick's Day, the central interior as well as the south coast will be looking up to a sun cloud mix and 11 degrees. It's going to be warmer through the southern interior. But here's the plan over the next 24 hours. Back up to 9 degrees tomorrow. Tonight, an overnight low of minus 1. All the active weather is situated over the north coast over the next few days with high pressure continuing to dominate over the southern half of the province. That means sunny skies for us. And you'll note... It could even be a rain-snow mix again tonight for the north coast and then changing over to rain tomorrow morning. So here is your Tuesday over the northern half of the province. Terrace kicks off the day with a chance of flurries changing to a chance of showers. Looking good in the central interior and across the south, a lot of sunshine in store. 11 in Kelowna, 11 in Cranbrook, just a slight chance of showers in the morning. And this, a look at your south coast forecast. Port Hardy could get some showers and this is your long range from Metro Vancouver. Pot of gold there on your Wednesday. All right, your central windows weather window brought to us by Lisanne Smeal of Vancouver from False Creek. What a gorgeous day it was, huh? Very nice. Beautiful. Yes, very well done. Thank you, Lisanne, for sending that. Squire checks in now with a look ahead to sports. What do you got, Squire? Well, we're going to show you what's happening with the Canucks in Ottawa. Also, Levon Kendall's basketball career started here, Kitts High School, took him to Europe as a pro. But while he was in Europe, he came up with an idea for his future. For six years playing overseas, I was my mind was getting a bit tired of not learning. And what he learned was after basketball was over, he can make a living digging in the dirt. Good way to do it. Also tonight, the BC connection to those colorful socks worn by Briar winner Brendan Botcher. All right, Squire joins us now with sports and something to cheer for. Well, the game just ended, but you know what I mean. You know, it's funny. 
Um, Elias Pettersson hasn't played since March the 2nd. The Canucks have only lost once without him. Wow. Which is very odd. Mm -hmm. And he's not on this road trip either. Uh, the Thatcher Demko that we are seeing this month is the one the Canucks were hoping we would see when they let Jacob Markstrom go to Calgary. Now, this is kind of like the Demko we saw in the playoffs last year. Steady, always in the right spot. No panic. He is to the Canucks what auto-tune is to the music business. Auto-tune makes an average singer sound good. Demko makes an average hockey team look good. Here we go. It's amazing. In Ottawa tonight, Demko against the Sens. First goal of the game. It's Jace Harluck. Wax it in in front of the net. Good work by lucky number 13, and it's 1-0 for the Canucks. Now to Demko. Save. 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 It's not going in. From above, even without a stick, just lays in the right spot. It will no, not go across the red line. Although, actually, one did go across the red line earlier in the first period. It was an early whistle. That helped the Canucks. That's a terrible pass by Colin White right to Tanner Pearson. Canucks up 2-0. Ottawa had a million shots in this game. Deserved at least one goal before the third period, and they would get it here, although this one actually goes in off Alex Edler. Josh Norris gets the goal, so it's 2-1. Still in the second period. Norris again in on Demko. Solid. To the third period we go. This is a nice play by the Canucks. Hoaglander, Bo Horvat, but a save by Joey Decord in the Ottawa end of the net. So, thought we'd show the other goalie as well. Here's another Demko save. Drake Batherson coming in, Demko glove save. Finally, when Ottawa pulls the goalie, they score. And it's Colin White who gave away a goal, so he redeems that by sending this game into overtime. But in OT... Quinn Hughes. Oh, what a move. JT ends it. 3-2. Canucks, thanks to Demko, win in Ottawa. They'll play the Senators again before heading off to Montreal. It's a big win for the Canucks. Okay, they seem to have Ottawa's number. Levon Kendall is one of the best basketball players this province ever produced. A high school star at Kitts. NCAA with University of Pittsburgh. European pro basketball. And as you can see, he also wore the uniform of Canada as a national team member. Now the guy whose game grew right in front of us is still in the growing business. But this time, it's for food. Yeah, we got to dig a little hole here like this. Dig a hole. Well, the name of our company is Foodscape Enterprises. We specialize in functional edible landscapes. So we help you convert... Uh, you know, standard urban lot, sometimes out in the country, into a, you know, more fun functional, smart designed, uh, food producing, you know, environmentally friendly ecosystem. Levon Kendall has always been good with his hands. Prior to starting Foodscape, which is strongly rooted in the design science of permaculture, the type of handiwork Kendall was known for was in a totally different work environment. 
Levon Kendall fires a three, and it's good. Levon from deep. Kendall had a professional basketball career that spanned nearly a decade. His final season as a pro was in his hometown province of BC, where he suited up for the Fraser Valley Bandits. Prior to that, he was a mainstay on Canada's national team. Osamani on the drive for the time denied by Levon Kendall. He also made his mark at the University of Pittsburgh, where he was a two-time Big East academic all-star earning a degree in anthropology and a minor in French. Kendall sneaks under the basket and gets the reverse. And if you're a high school basketball fan, you can make a strong argument that Levon Kendall is one of the best high school ballers of all time with three provincial championships to his name, as well as being named BC's Athlete of the Year back in 2002. After about five or six years playing overseas, I was my mind was getting a bit tired of not learning, and I, you know, you have lots of idle hours where you're resting and... I stumbled across permaculture. Okay. You want to put it in? And his business is literally growing day after day, month after month. Permaculture's tenants are caring for the earth, caring for people, and sharing the surplus. It's what Kendall and Foodscape does with every edible landscape project that it brings to life. We do traditional landscaping with a little bit more thought into design, and we try to plant as many edibles and you know fruit trees, veggies, herbs, things like that, and um, yeah, help people just create an edible, environmentally friendly landscape. Uh, you know, having been through the whole sports world and professional career and injuries and being away from home, all, all the different things that come with it, being in really high pressure situations, uh, you know, I'm not too phased by you know taking a risk, trying something new. Vajik Pospisil looked like he was going to win today in Dubai. Won the first set, was up 4-2 in the second set, but lost in three sets to Martin Fushkovic. There you go. Ooh. All right. Thank you very much, Squire. Here is Jordan Armstrong now with a preview of Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan. Chris, another shakeup at Vancouver City Hall. The city is now looking for a new director of planning in addition to a new city manager. We'll tell you about that. Plus, months after B.C.'s mask mandate took effect, Transit police are still busy fining COVID scoff laws. And wait until you hear a driver's excuse for blasting along at more than double the speed limit outside Victoria. These stories and more tonight at 11. Chris? All right, Jordan, thanks very much. And still to come, bare ankles at the briar and how it drove a BC grandma crazy. That story's next. A grandmother in Victoria is being credited with providing the lucky charm at the Briar this weekend. Barbara Wilson, a huge curling fan herself, recognized a problem with Brendan Botcher. Not an Achilles heel, but a bare ankle. And her simple gift has now sparked a cross-country trend for the winning curling skip. Kylie Stanton has the story. Sitting in the hack. All eyes are on the house. Curling fans waiting to see if Alberta's Brendan Botcher and his team can finally catch a break. Yeah, yeah. 
Normally, the arena would be packed with fans cheering every shot. But with only cardboard cutouts in the stands, it was the fans watching from home left to do the cheering. Isn't that amazing? Barbara Wilson included. Oh, for sure. But for years now, she just hasn't been able to shake her grandmotherly instincts. Every time he came out of the hack, his bare leg was showing, and I thought, he's got to have some longer socks to keep him warm. And so she finally decided to do something about it, enlisting her granddaughter's help to pick out some socks for the skip, sending them to the rink, complete with this letter that read, Dear Brandon, I'm an 88-year-old curling fan. Here are some longer socks with love. And when she tuned in for the next game. Oh, that was a surprise and a thrill. I thought, oh, he got them and he's going to wear them. Not only did he wear them. Here they are. He won. We played really, really well. So, okay, well, I guess we'll wear them a second game. And, well, then we won. So at some point, you just got to stick with the... Stick with the formula. The team has been on the brink of the championship for the past three years, losing in the finals each time. Fans questioning what it would take to get them over the hump and clinch the title. (laughs) On Sunday, when it finally happened, Botcher was quick to share the credit. A huge thank you to her. Botcher has been sharing the story on his social media channels, first with a photo of the letter, then the socks, even giving Barbara a shout-out. Huge thanks to Barbara Wilson. It turns out she's inspired others to do the same. His latest post showing three new pairs of socks, captioned, and so it begins. Oh my goodness. It's such a small gesture, but it's like that drop in the pond where it just ripples of kindness and love. Wilson is overwhelmed by all the attention, but will take it if it means her team is victorious. Flashy socks and all. It was just thrilling to see them come through at the end there. Just wonderful for them. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Such a great story. Well done, Barbara. Lifelong uh, Alberta curling fan, too. She was born and raised in Edmonton, so the... uh, it also just goes to show you the, the superstition of athletes, right? It's true. It's working. Don't yeah. take them off. Don't change anything. No. Uh, I wish we didn't have to change some of this uh, sunshine, but it sounds like that Indeed. might be happening, Kasia. Yeah, fair weather skies over the next two. A turn of events on our Thursday. The kids will need wellies. Well, all of us will on our Thursday with rain. All right. Ways to go before we get there, though. Thanks, sure. thanks a lot for watching, everybody. Have a great night.